European Heart Journal Issue at a Glance, Volume 41, Issue 23, Focus Issue ACS, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia, read to you by Morgan Bryan. Typical and atypical acute coronary syndromes, inflammation, vasoconstriction and dissection as major mechanisms. The mechanisms and triggers of acute coronary syndromes, or ACS, are increasingly understood. While initially it was considered mainly a thrombotic event, we now know that plaque rupture and endothelial erosion are the substrate for initiating intravascular clot formation. More recent research has shown that inflammatory mechanisms lead to plaque rupture and endothelial erosion and eventually clinical events. This experimental concept was confirmed clinically in the canakinumab anti-inflammatory thrombosis outcomes or CANTOS study establishing the role of interleukin 1-beta, or IL-1-beta. In their fast track, residual inflammatory risk associated with interleukin-18 and interleukin-6 after successful interleukin 1-beta inhibition with canakinumab. Further rationale for the development of targeted anticytokine therapies for the treatment of atherothrombosis. Paul Ridker from the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, USA, and colleagues remind us that both interleukin-18, or IL-18, which like IL-1-beta requires NLRP3 inflammasome for activation, and interleukin-6, or IL-6, a pro-inflammatory cytokine downstream of interleukin-1-beta, may contribute to recurrent events that occur even on canakinumab therapy, and thus represent novel targets for the treatment of atherothrombosis. In 4,848 post-ACS patients of CANTOS, IL-18 and IL-6 were measured. Compared to placebo, canakinumab significantly reduced IL-6 levels in a dose-dependent manner, yielding placebo-substracted medium percentage reductions in IL-6 at 3 months of 25% to 43%, with 50 mg, 150 mg and 300 mg of canakinumab. In contrast, canakinumab didn't change IL-18 levels. Yet despite this, baseline and on-treatment levels of IL-18 and IL-6 are associated with major cardiac events, or MACE. Thus, there remains substantial residual inflammatory risk related to both IL-18 and IL-6 after interleukin 1-beta inhibition, supporting the development of anticytokine therapies for atherothrombosis that simultaneously inhibit IL-1-beta and IL-18, such as NLRP3 inhibitors, as well as agents that directly target IL-6. These stimulating findings are further discussed in a thoughtful editorial by Luigi Biasucci from the Policlinico Agostini Gemelli of the Università Cattolica del San Cuore in Rome, Italy. Besides inflammatory pathways, Coronary vasomotion may also contribute to coronary vascular occlusion. Indeed, ST elevation myocardial infarction, or STEMI, is associated with high levels of cardiac sympathetic drive and release of the cotransmitter neuropeptide Y. In their article, the cardiac sympathetic cotransmitter neuropeptide Y is prorhythmic following ST elevation myocardial infarction despite beta blockade. Neil Herring and colleagues from the University of Oxford in the United Kingdom hypothesized that despite beta blockade, neuropeptide Y promotes arrhythmogenesis via ventricular myocyte receptors. In 78 patients treated with primary percutaneous coronary intervention, or PCI, 
Sustained ventricular tachycardia or fibrillation occurred in 7.7%. These patients showed higher neuropeptide Y levels despite absence of CV risk factors, including late presentation, larger infarct size and beta blocker usage. RTQ-PCR demonstrated neuropeptide Y, mRNA, in human and rat stellate ganglia. In Langendorf perfused rat hearts, stimulation of stellate ganglia released neuropeptide Y. Despite beta blockade with metaprolol, optical mapping of ventricular voltage and calcium demonstrated an increased magnitude and shortening in the duration of the calcium transient and a significant lowering of ventricular fibrillation threshold. This was prevented by the Y1 receptor antagonist, BIBO3304. Neuropeptide Y increased ventricular tachycardia and fibrillation by 60% and 10% respectively during experimental ischemia and perfusion, again prevented by BIBO3304. Thus, neuropeptide Y is released during sympathetic stimulation and acts as a novel arrhythmic trigger. Y1 receptor antagonists may represent novel antiarrhythmics, a conclusion that is put into context in an editorial by Peter Schwarz from the Istituto Axologico Italiano Istituto di Ricovero e Cura a Caratere Scientifico in Milan, Italy. In both ACS and cancer, inflammatory pathways are involved, as documented by experimental and clinical studies and the CANTOS trial. Cardiovascular risk is increased in cancer patients. The interactions between the two are investigated in the article Acute Myocardial Infarction Treatments and Outcomes in 6.5 Million Patients with a Current or Historical Diagnosis of Cancer in the USA by Mohammed Mohammed from the Keele University in Newcastle-under-Lyme, United Kingdom. They evaluated temporal trends, treatments and clinical outcomes of patients with ACS and a current or historical diagnosis of cancer. Out of 6,563,255 patients, 186,604 had current cancer and 409,697 a history of cancer, mainly prostate, breast, colon and lung cancer. Patients with cancer were older with more comorbidities. Of patients without cancer, 43.9% underwent PCI, whilst only 21% of those with lung cancer did. Lung cancer was associated with the highest in-hospital mortality with an odds ratio of 2.71, MACE, and cerebrovascular complications and stroke, while colon cancer had the highest risk of bleeding with an odds ratio of 2.82. Irrespective of the type of cancer, metastasis was associated with worse in-hospital outcomes, while historical cancer didn't affect survival. Thus, concomitant cancer is associated with a conservative medical strategy for ACS and worse outcomes with survival and MACE vary with the type of cancer and metastasis status. These findings are further evaluated in an editorial by Mark Bonica from the University of Colorado School of Medicine in Aurora, Colorado, USA. The spectrum of ACS has expanded considerably and now not only involves STEMI and NSTEMI, but also Takotsubo syndrome, myocarditis, and spontaneous coronary artery dissection, or SCAD. While outcomes have been characterized recently, infarct size has not been determined properly, as outlined in the article. Chronic infarct size after spontaneous coronary artery dissection. Implications for pathophysiology and clinical management. 
by David Adler et al. from the University of Leicester in the United Kingdom. They assessed myocardial injury and left ventricular, or LV, systolic function with cardiac magnetic resonance imaging, or CMR, following SCAD and predictors of myocardial injury. Of 158 SCAD survivors, 98% were female and they were compared with 59, mainly female, healthy controls. SCAD presented with non-STEMI in 60%, a STEMI in 33%, and as cardiac arrest in 7%. LV function was well preserved with small reductions in LV ejection fraction, 57% in SCAD and 60% in controls, and small increases in LV end systolic and diastolic volumes. Infarcts were generally small, averaging 4% of LV mass, and 39% having no detectable late gadolinium enhancement. Multivariate modelling showed STEMI at presentation, initial TIMI 0-1 flow, multivessel SCAD, and a Baten score of greater than 4 to be associated with larger infarcts of greater than 10% LV mass. Thus, the majority of SCAD patients have no or small infarctions and preserved LVEF, which has important implications for their management, as outlined further in an editorial by Jacqueline Saw from the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada. Besides classical type 1 infarction, myocardial injury and infarctions may occur in different contexts, as defined in the fourth universal definition of myocardial infarction. However, the clinical application of these definitions has not been evaluated yet. This is addressed in the article Clinical Applications of the Fourth Universal Definition of Myocardial Infarction by Johannes Neumann et al. from the University Heart Center, Hamburg in Germany in 2,302 patients presenting to the emergency department with symptoms of suggested ACS. After re-adjudication, around one-third had to be reclassified. Most of them had acute or chronic myocardial injury. One-fifth were diagnosed with myocardial infarction, or MI, compared to 22% when adjudication was based on the third definition. In the non-MI population, patients with myocardial injury were older, more often female, and had worse renal function compared to those without myocardial injury. Application of diagnostic algorithms for patients with suspected MI revealed a high accuracy after re-adjudication. Reclassified patients had a substantially higher rate of MACE compared to those not reclassified, particularly those reclassified to the category of myocardial injury. Thus, the category of acute and chronic myocardial injury, the fourth universal definition succeeds to identify patients with higher risk of MACE and poorer outcome, and thus seems to improve risk assessment. The issue is complemented by discussion forum articles on the subject in a contribution entitled Is Escherichia coli involved in the myocardial infarction? Angelo Zullo and colleagues from the Polyambulatory Nuovo Regina Margherita in Rome, Italy comment on the recent publication entitled Low-grade endotoxemia enhances artery thrombus growth via toll-like receptor 4 Implications for Myocardial Infarction by Francesco Vaioli of Sapienza University in Rome, Italy Vaioli et al. respond in a separate comment. In a contribution entitled Conclusions of Complete Revascularization, Meta-Analysis are Challenged by State-of-the-Art Methods, Alexander Jobs and colleagues from the Herzzentrum Leipzig Universität Klinik, Klinik für Kardiologia in Germany, comment on the recent contribution, 
Complete revascularization reduces cardiovascular death in patients with ST-segment elevation myocardial infarction and multivessel disease. Systematic review and meta-analysis of randomized clinical trials by Gianluco Campo and colleagues from the cardiology unit in Cona, Ferrera, Italy. Campo et al. respond in a separate comment. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its listeners.